Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible study podcast for women. I'm your host, Amy Spreeman. Check out all the Bible studies at Naomi'sTable.com. Now here's teacher Beth Seifert with today's lesson in 2 Corinthians. So pull up a chair, open your Bibles, and let's begin. Welcome back to our study in the book of 2 Corinthians, ladies. Today we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And I've titled this lesson, Day 7, Jars of Clay, Not the Band. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." I love how Paul starts this section because there's a total incongruity here. You don't put precious stones and gems and things into a jar of clay that's easily broken and shattered. You take care of those precious things and put them into a special place so that they may be kept safe, right? Yet, that's exactly how God works using these fragile, breakable jars of clay as he gets all the glory for the amazing work that only he can do in us. In fact, often what was put into clay pots in Paul's time was garbage or um, human waste. Think chamber pots. That lowly state is the true state of humanity before holy God. Yet we have been given the eternal treasure within these lowly vessels, the treasure of the gospel. There are so many ways that God demonstrates that his wisdom is not of the world, that the things that he does are not the things that would make sense to the world. If you think back to when we were in 1 Corinthians, especially chapters 2 and 3, we saw Paul explain how God's wisdom confounds the world, and the world truly can't grasp God's wisdom because they don't have eyes open to see the truth. God's economy doesn't make sense to the natural man still lost in his sin. 
It is only through God opening our eyes and enlightening our minds that we can truly see what is true wisdom. So here we have yet another way in which we see God's wisdom starkly contrasted with what seems to us in our own understanding to be foolishness. Look at how fragile these jars are. They're afflicted in every way. They are perplexed. They are persecuted. They are struck down. These things should be enough to destroy pretty much anything, right? Yet, these jars of clay, these fragile, breakable jars, are not crushed. They are not driven to despair. They are not forsaken or destroyed. Their very lives and their very sufferings point to the one they worship, Christ. His suffering was not for no purpose. His suffering was not in vain. And neither is ours when we are suffering for him. The only way to explain how these jars of clay are not destroyed is to point to God. They should be destroyed, yet they aren't. And if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll know of the many examples that we have of those who go to their physical death rejoicing, singing psalms, telling their families to be bold and continue to serve Christ. Their bodies may be destroyed, but they are not. The suffering they endure without turning from him is simply more evidence of Christ's work in their lives. Paul suffered persecution over and over and was given over to be killed more than once for the cause of the gospel. The gospel is offensive, ladies. It makes people so mad that they want to destroy the one bringing the gospel message. Our pride in our sinful flesh doesn't like to be told that we might actually be, as Scripture describes us, unrighteous, dead in our sins, walking corpses, as Ephesians describes our state outside of Christ. And there will be a resulting persecution, a resulting hatred of those who proclaim the gospel from those who reject it. Yet we see that Paul didn't stop preaching the gospel even though he was constantly enduring suffering and persecution. No, indeed, he was bold. He didn't give up. And the gospel spread, and more of God's people were brought to him. Thus, as Paul is describing in verses 11 and 12, death and persecution are at work in Paul as he labors to bring them the gospel and as those receive the message. But life is at work in those who hear and repent and believe the gospel, life unto salvation. Truly, we do see that many times the recipients of a ministry may seem to fare be much better in this world than the person who is ministering to them. The trials and sufferings of the minister may seem to be absolutely unreal as they suffer for the sake of the gospel. So many famous ministers of the past seem to die very early deaths, having worked at insanely feverish paces to serve, to preach the gospel, to serve and minister wherever they could, and their bodies simply couldn't keep up. Charles Spurgeon is the first example I think of this, but oh, what a legacy we have from all of his writings, from all of his sermons, and what a gift he was to the church at large, even during his short lifespan. God does know what he's doing, ladies, but we should not be unaware of the effort that is truly involved in ministry in bringing the gospel to God's people. And we should be even more grateful for faithful pastors and teachers who have stood up in the face of persecution and have held fast to the truth of Scripture, because we have benefited 
from their perseverance. We ladies have the same spirit of faith that saved Paul and that saved those who heard the gospel from his lips. Paul quotes the Psalms here as he says, I believed and so I spoke. When we believe the gospel, when we are brought from death to life in him, we will speak. We will not be silent. We will share the hope that we have. We will share the truth we have with the fallen world around us. And what is the hope that we who are in Christ have to keep us going in this way? We know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us and bring us into his presence. The hope we have isn't just for this world. In fact, it isn't even primarily for this world. The hope we have is one of an eternity with Jesus in his presence. I'll tell you what, I've seen what it looks like for those to suffer who don't have hope. To suffer and only have hope of this life being improved or lengthened. It's ugly, especially when the end of this life is looming and those people refuse to acknowledge it. I have to remind myself that if they don't have time for God or an interest in God in this life, they aren't going to have an interest in Him in eternity. One of the greatest hopes for the Christian is that promise of being with our Savior in eternity, of worshiping Him, of dwelling with Him, without sin and in our glorified physical bodies. Those who don't have any desire to learn about God or spend time with Him here, they're not going to want to spend eternity with Him. As Paul Washer once said, everyone wants to go to heaven. They just don't want God to be there when they get there. For the Christian... Heaven isn't heaven without God. For the pagan, heaven isn't heaven unless God is absent there too. Everything that Paul endures, and let's face it, he endured so much more than we do today. He endured for the benefit of those who would hear and believe. And as those people believe, the gospel will be spread through their testimony as well. And that, ladies, is a source of thanksgiving and praise to the glory of God. God's glory is the ultimate goal of God, and it is right for him to be concerned for his glory. As God answers prayer and brings salvation to those whom he has called, the glory is all his, never man's. And yet we are invited to enter in and to bring more glory to God as we share the gospel with those around us. Paul then lets us know that it is because the gospel is being spread that he continues to labor as he does, despite the suffering that he's facing. And it was real. He isn't speaking figuratively when he says that his outer self was wasting away. Now, all of our outer selves are wasting away in some measure, but for Paul, all the beatings and stonings and imprisonments that he endured had a real physical toll on him. Yet despite that lifelong physical toll, his inner self is being renewed day by day. He is strengthened, sanctified in Christ, and renewed to continue to do the work God has for him every day, to the point that Paul actually says, of all these horrible things that he has to endure in this life, that they are light and momentary afflictions. Light afflictions? Stonings? Beatings? Mobs trying to tear him limb from limb? Momentary? As in totally fleeting and only here for a moment? Yes, those, Paul tells us, are no big deal compared with the eternal weight of the glory that is to come. 
See, sometimes people accuse Christians of being so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. But when I look at Paul's writings, I see how very heavenly minded he constantly was. And I see how that spurned him on to be of inestimable earthly good. The more we keep our eyes on the things that really matter, that we see that the treasure that we've been given in these jars of clay is the gospel hope of eternity with God because of Christ's reconciliation of God and man on the cross, the more that we too will see that all that we endure in this life is truly light and momentary compared with what is to come. Our hope is not for justice in this unjust world. Our hope is not for vengeance against our enemies or for all the wrongs we have suffered in this world to be righted in this world. This world is passing away. This world is also fallen and sinful, corrupt to the core thanks to sin and the consequences of sin. Our hope, ladies, is not here. Our hope is in Christ, in the eternal, looking to the things that are not seen, not to what we can see with our eyes and cling to with our hands in this life. The glory that is to come will be so much more than we can even comprehend at this point. As I ponder heaven, there are so many things that I know we are promised, but that I can't fathom yet in my sinful, corrupted flesh. But I know that whatever heaven holds for us, we will be with our Savior. We will be with the one who bought us, who redeemed us, his enemies. And I know that whatever details I wonder about, he's already dealt with them. And with all the details that I haven't wondered about, too. Truly, we can only imagine at this point what it will be like to be perfected and glorified in our heavenly, incorruptible bodies, worshiping, serving, and working for our Savior in his presence, where there is no night and there is no sun, because the light from the Son of God gives radiance to everything, and there is no need for the sun there. Ladies, as you spend time with God today, ask God to give you opportunities to share the gospel with those around you, to share the treasure you have within you. Ask him to give you the strength that only he can give to persevere in suffering and persecution. And also keep in mind that being unfriended on Facebook isn't suffering or persecution. Ask yourself whether you truly do view suffering for the sake of the gospel. That's an important distinction. I may suffer in sharing the gospel because I share the gospel with hate. And in that case, the suffering I'm enduring is my own. It's a consequence for my sin. So are you viewing suffering for the sake of the gospel as light and momentary affliction? Or are you valuing your own comfort above sharing the eternal hope with those around you? It isn't easy, and I know that. But ask God to help you to value the gospel and to value the eternity of those you love more than you value your comfort or your desire to avoid conflict. All that we see in this world, ladies, is truly passing away. That doesn't mean it's not real, and it doesn't mean that nothing in this world matters. It means that this world is on the countdown, and we should be working diligently to make the most of the time that we do have here, knowing that eternity is real and it is waiting. Ladies, are you making the most of the time you've been given? Are you working for God's glory in all that you do? Are you losing heart or are you being renewed by God's Spirit day by day? Cling to Christ, ladies. He's the only one that will last. Hold all your treasure here, including your very life, loosely, knowing that it is truly 
in a jar of clay that can be destroyed at any point. Hold on to the eternal treasure that we have in Christ, and ask God to help you to be able to say with Paul that this light and momentary affliction is preparing you for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Ladies, you'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website naomistable.com, day 7, Jars of Clay, not the band.